I've simply titled my sermon this morning, Comfort and Healing Come from God. Last Sunday I spoke on looking to God in difficult times and how the psalmist talks about that, but today we want to look at comfort and healing coming from God toward his children. We don't need to, to elaborate the fact that we live in very difficult times. The world always has been in difficult times. Just look at the stories, the poverty in, in some parts of the world that Andy just mentioned, and there's many, many more we could talk about. But regardless how we interpret pain, brokenness, and things like that, I want, us, I want to caution us a little bit about how we look at that. And I've sometimes said it this way. Let's not look at problems as problems. Rather, let's look at them as opportunities. I think when we look at difficulties and challenges in life with that lens, that is when hope is born and solutions can come. And I'm not saying we shouldn't name them. If something is going bad, something is going wrong, we need to name it. But from what perspective, with what lens, from what attitude? We can, we can get depressed, and, we, and I'm one of them who has to really fight with myself. Oh, that looks so bad, that's so awful, and it is. And it's important that we don't get fixated on everything that's wrong as much as, okay, how can I help? What can I do? How can I serve? How can I bring light? How can I bring comfort? You see, when our mind just dwells on the negative, on the bad, on the hopeless, that's when despair sets in. Oh, I can't do anything. Discouragement, impatience, and, this, and it's dark. I'm not, we're not arguing that. We're not knocking that. It's true. And, and so these things that, that people face that are very real. Right now, and Andy mentioned it in his, uh, his presentation, things for, the, for many countries don't look good. And, 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 I, and I sound like a broken record repeating this, but it's what we talk about. It's on the news. It's what we see everywhere. But I think it's important that we start, well, we should all the time, but for myself too, what am I defined by? The problems we face, the challenges we have, or the opportunities we see, or am I defined by something deeper, something bigger, something better? As followers of Jesus, I simply want to say this. Let's look to Jesus. Oh, yes, we're sinners, but we're saved by grace. We're redeemed. We're special. All our comfort and hope should come from God. As we surrender ourselves to God more and more fully, we will be able to relax more and more, no matter how bad things get and how not agreeable things are and how we even don't agree on how, how we should respond sometimes. The Bible passage for today is a scripture passage taken out of um, the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. I just want to make a few comments before we start reading the passage. Isaiah the prophet lived in difficult times. The nation of God had rebelled or fallen into idol worship. They were not walking with God anymore. And Isaiah saw this, and God spoke to him and told him, okay, remind the people to repent and remind the people to come back to God. But it wasn't really very attractive, and the people didn't really respond well. And in time, punishment came, hardship came as a result of their bad living, their sinful living, and difficult times happened. They were in captivity for 70 years, the Bible teaches the Bible, the history book of Isaiah talks about what happened, and if you read the stories, 
70 years of captivity happened as a result of their lifestyle choices they had made. God said, you're going to be captives, and they were. But then there's something in the book of Isaiah in chapter 40 that is so incredibly comforting and liberating. And it's like the soothing salve of comfort on wounded hearts. And I want to read for us Isaiah chapter 40, beginning verse 1. Isaiah 40, beginning verse 1, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Times were hard. Things were difficult. And, and I just want to pick this verse apart for a little bit here. When it says, comfort, comfort my people, here in this case, in this story here, the word comfort, if you look it up in the dictionary, it's a noun, a thing, when you talk of comfort, but it's also a verb, something that is done, some, some action. It says, comfort, comfort my people. Whose people? My people. God owns these people. Says, your God. The, the prophet was part of this. He takes ownership. It's community. It's fellowship. And times were painful. It was hard. And God says, comfort my people. In just a minute, we'll look at what this comfort consists of. But notice this. There's this togetherness here. And we could expand this. All God's children are all God's family. Yes, even those that don't live close by, and yes, even those that are far away. The people addressed in this passage, they need comfort. As followers of Jesus, we must look at life in that context. The situation, yes, in this situation was brought on by their behavior, but I want to also quickly point out that sometimes bad things happen not because anybody else sinned, but because somebody, not because they sinned, but because somebody else sinned. Sometimes that happens. And sometimes innocent people suffer. But in this case, they had suffered the, uh, the, um, this, the um, captivity because of actually what their forefathers had done. So they were in captivity for 70 years. There's a principle in this passage where God says, comfort, comfort my people, that is timeless. It's a passage of comfort. He says, in verse 2, he says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. So here's the comforting words. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. This is a timeless principle. This should always be the case. Tell her that her sad days are gone. Her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. He's speaking to the city of Jerusalem as a, it's, it's like a person, it's, there's a relationship here. He's not talking to a, a thing, he's talking to people. When he says, speak to Jerusalem, that's a people group. And repentance and confession has come and comfort is coming. Again, I just want to be, not be misunderstood and say that, okay, when something bad happens, that means because you did something wrong. Oftentimes it's not the person's personal fault, it can be somebody else's. But regardless, bad things happen and God wants people to be comforted. I'm thinking of the church in North America in our time. I do wonder sometimes what the future holds. And when I hear a presentation like we heard this morning, then I feel like, okay, we need to get more involved. We need to engage more. And, and, and how can I bring comfort? How can I bring the good news? How can I bring relief? This same God who works there in those countries is the same God who works here. The same God who worked back in the days of Isaiah, in the days of John the Baptist, he talks about, we'll talk about that in a second. The same God who lived, worked in the days of Paul, the same God works now. He works everywhere. 
We're his. We belong to him. What God does, he's in control of and he's in charge. And by the way, God does not need our help. We need to help others in order for us to grow. We don't dictate to him, he dictates to us. But the words that he gives the prophet Isaiah are interesting. In verse 3, he prescribes what should be said. He says, verse 3, listen, it's the voice of someone shouting. This is the message. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland of our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. God is coming, he says. As I was reflecting on this and preparing for this and getting ready for this, the thoughts came to my mind. God's not talking about landscaping here. He's not talking about a construction project. When he talks about make straight a highway through the wasteland of our God, for our God, fill in the valleys, level the mountains. He's talking about preparing us, preparing our hearts, being ready for him to come and use us for his glory, being ready for service. It's not that he has to get ready, it's we have to get ready. And in the lives of the people of, the, of that time, the, the leveling needed to happen. And if you read in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, John the Baptist talks about the very same thing. He says, make straight. He uses this passage as a prophecy. Too often times, we would want God to help us, but not have conditions on us. He has conditions on us. And so if we want to help, we have to be ready to help. And then when it comes to the voice, the message that he has for us, let's look at that a little bit more. The message is, he says, a voice said, shout, verse 6. I asked, what should I shout? And he says, shout that people are like the grass. The beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Why that? Because it's important that we remember this. And we could translate this into um, modern day street language and basically say, stop trusting in people. Don't look to people as the solutions to the world's issues. God works through people, but God is the answer. He says, people are like grass. Those politicians we look to for help, they're like grass. Those people who are going to fix our problems, they're like grass. Gone tomorrow. Here today, gone tomorrow. Stop looking to human solutions for eternal issues. And they fade. Beneath the breath of God, they just fade. So it's with people. But God's principles, God's word, God's teaching stands forever. In essence, we have to tell ourselves we need to rise above, beyond this world. It's so short-lived here. Life is a span of very few years, and it's over. I was thinking about this as I was getting ready and thought to myself, wonder if the angels in heaven look down and say to God, hey, Lord, look, they're trusting in grass again. I don't know. But our salvation, our future, our hope comes from God. I'm not saying there's no good leaders. Don't get me wrong. They're not our salvation. Our salvation, our hope, our future is found in nothing else and no one else than God. Not in some political leader, good or bad, or in a social program, good or bad. It's us relating to God, comforting one another. 
We must keep this in perspective. He goes on to, import, to, to point out how important this is. He says in verse 9, he says, O Zion, messenger of good news, means Zion, the people of God are the good news. Shout from the mountaintops, shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and don't be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will lead gently like the mother. He will lead, he will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Zion is the messenger. The people of God are the messengers of the good news. God is coming with power and he's coming gently. The world knows oppression. The world knows the use of force. The world knows cruelty. But that's not who God is. Let's jump down to verse 25. We won't read the whole passage. Let's just jump down to verse 25. It says here, now the, God, now the Holy One is speaking. God himself says, To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the, Lord, the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name because of his great power and incomparable strength. Not a single one is missing. God says, look at me. Infinite. I've thought about this sometimes. What does that mean, infinite? Well, the human mind just cannot grasp it. When you think of how, how big this earth is, how beautiful it's created, the majestic mountains, we look at the stars, the universe, the, the cosmos, the power of the planets, I mean the stars and the energy they produce and so on. God says, I'm beyond that. I'm in charge of that. I'm in control of that. So the question I want to ask is, can we turn to him for our comfort? Can we trust him? We are safe with him. When I say safe, I'm not saying exempted from pain, but he brings us comfort. He says in verse 27, O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God ignores your rights? Listen, the problem has never been God. It's our misunderstanding of God. The problem is not God never has been God. He does not change. He remains the same. He's created us in his image for his loyalty. He wants our trust. He wants our loyalty and our allegiance. And he wants to comfort us when we go through hard times. And there's other passages in Scripture. I quickly want to read those. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12, the writer the, the Proverbs talks about this. He says, The Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. There may be pain and suffering in our lives, but just like a father corrects a child, so God corrects us for our own good. Psalm 118, verse 18 says, The Lord has punished me severely, but he did not let me die. The psalmist recognized that the hard times he went through was so he would grow closer to God. Where there's pain, God provides the comfort. We do not have to fear. I want to also read Hebrews 11, beginning verse 12. No, Hebrews 12, beginning verse 7. Sorry, Hebrews 12, verse 7. It says, As you endure divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? God does not discipline you as he does all if God does not discipline you as he does all his children it means you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all since we respect that our earthly fathers who disciplined us should we not shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever verse 10 for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing what what they doing the best they knew how 
but God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained by it. Let me just say, God will never allow something to happen to us by mistake. God doesn't say, oops. He knows. He's aware. And yes, he allows hard times. And then he comforts. In his grace, he's chosen us as his own. And when hard times come, it should tell us he cares. Not have you forgotten us. I know we have those thoughts and those feelings sometimes. And I'm not saying there's sin, but we cannot stay there. We have to move on. And it's in the experience of pain and hardship and struggle and adversity that we become open to receive and benefit from God's comfort. God's not some parent who doesn't know how to te teach his children. Let's jump back to Isaiah chapter 40. Go to verse 28. Here again God is speaking. He says, Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. There it is, infinite. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will grow, become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Isaiah chapter 40, I would encourage you to read it sometime, the entire chapter. It's a chapter of comfort, of hope, and of strength. And it has timeless principles. We're reminded in the New Testament, suffering is part of the journey, but so is comfort. The outcome at the end is restoration, fellowship with God for those who've fallen, those who are in the pain. We're on the journey. And it will not last forever. It will end. In the meantime, we endure. We continue on. So how can we bring this home to take with us through the week? Let's remember this. There will come a day when the last page of history will have been written. And the books of time closed. It'll be worth it. Then it's not about me or about you. It's all about God and his glory, and that's it, and how we fit into that. Not how God fits into our calendar, how God fits into our life, how God fits into our situation. It's all about how God has shaped and formed and molded us to fit into his picture. That's what it's about. So we need to shift the focus away from ourselves, away from what we think is bringing us down and we're struggling with, I'm not saying denying it, but that can't be the focus, focus back on God. And then allow his comfort and his peace from this Holy Spirit envelop us and carry us in the hard times. Sure, life is made to be enjoyed, to be celebrated, and so we should. But let's remember, it's a broken place. So much pain and so much hardship. We must embrace the journey Endure the struggle and allow God's Spirit to bring us comfort as we move onward. And it's only as we live in that relationship that it begins to make sense that we can endure 
and we can stay strong, and as Isaiah says, we can mount up with wings like eagles and we can soar. May God bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.